0: The Washington Metro was once the pride of the nation's capital, but the pandemic has dealt heavy blows, reducing service reliability and frequency. So where does Metro stand now, and when will it ever get back to normal? WTOP's John Aaron has been covering the transit service throughout the pandemic, and tells us how Metro is doing now after two difficult years. So, John, welcome.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Glad you're here. So. Metro, it seems, hasn't been able to catch a break in the last two years between the pandemic's slashing train ridership and then a notorious blue line derailment leading to half of its fleet to be taken off the tracks. Yeah. Um, and Metro Bus Service hasn't had it any easier because they've been facing staff shortages with each COVID surge. But despite this, the equally beloved and bedeviled DC Transit system has kept rolling. So before we dive into the pandemic woes of Metro, let's start with some good news that we've been hearing recently. The end is in sight for these Omicron-related bus service cuts. Tell us what caused this shrink and why it's returning now.
1: Well, first of all, this was a very big deal for bus riders because... Unlike rail riders who often have the advantage of being able to stay home, a lot of people kept riding the bus during the pandemic. So when they announced that there were further cuts to bus service, that really hurt a lot of people. But the good news is Metro Bus will be returning to regular weekday service on Monday, February 7th. It had been operating on a modified Saturday schedule since January 10th. That schedule offered about 75% of weekday service. It was all because of Omicron. GM Paul Wiedefeld said that since the holidays, about 10% of the workforce or 1,500 employees have missed work because of COVID-19. He says now things are getting a lot better. They're still experiencing above-average absenteeism, but they've seen the case rate decline and employees returning to work following their quarantine requirements. Now, earlier he had said about Omicron, he was hoping there would be a quick spike and things would go down and they could restore service like this, and it looks like that's exactly what's happening here.
0: But despite this good news that we'll you know, see bus service go up in the next week, Metro still has quite a lot of problems on its plate, chief among them a significantly reduced ridership on its Metrorail service. So walk us through these large ridership drops, like how big are they and what is the financial impact when you have such dips?
1: So the latest numbers we got, or some of the recent numbers we got, showed that ridership had dropped to 15 to 20 percent of pre-pandemic levels on rail, and that the number was in the 30s percentage-wise on bus. Now, that was factoring in Omicron and the holidays and things like that, so the numbers earlier weren't quite so bad on bus, but obviously you can see a lot of people are not using the system right now early on in the pandemic we learned that metro said that it would cost them roughly two million dollars a day in lost revenue every weekday because of the reduced ridership and of course Mm -hmm. uh, metro has only really been able to sustain itself through major federal help here
0: right i mean two million dollars a day stretch that over two years uh, that is an amazing amount of money. Where have those federal dollars really come from, and has that really been able to keep them afloat?
1: Yeah, so in May of 2020, it was announced that Metro would be getting nearly $900 million in federal funding through the CARE Act. In March of 2021, we learned that uh, their operating budget would be supported by over $700 million in federal relief funding, and that included $193 million from the American Rescue Plan Act. They also got $150 million through 2030 from the infrastructure bill. Now, that's long-term funding, so didn't go to immediately stemming the budget shortfalls. But as you can see, we're talking huge amounts of money that are needed just to keep the system afloat and, and functioning at a somewhat normal level.
0: Right, right. And the thought behind that legislation is, Metro is an essential service.
1: Yeah, and people rely on it. People need it. And if you're going to get out of this, uh, people need some sort of reliable service uh, in order to come back to the system. We'll talk about that later. Right. But, you know, if they're not providing reliable service to people and people can't count on a train, they're not going to consider taking it. We had talked about Metro needing that federal money. It still left Metro facing what one board member calls a looming fiscal cliff, for the next fiscal year with that federal money slowing down. And Metro was in this situation already in December of 2020 Mm. board members were looking at a proposed budget, which would dramatically scale back service. Uh, One of my favorite quotes was from a Metro board member who said that they put something through a, budget-making sausage machine or something like that and came out with something that was inedible, which by Metro board meeting standards is the most hilarious joke you'll ever hear. Like, those things are dry as can be. So they were looking at really bad cuts. Rail service would have been ended at 9 p.m. Weekend rail service would have been eliminated. 19 stations would have been closed. Trains would have run less often. Bus service would have been significantly cut back. There would have also been salary freezes and layoffs. So all of those are things that you might be hearing about again if we Mm. approach a situation like we saw before.
0: Right. So just a bold underline in italics, what you're saying is even before the pandemic, there were significant financial difficulties.
1: Yeah, we would hear about it every year. Metro has its capital budget and its operating budget, and the operating budget would, you know, have trouble sustaining itself. So this is an ongoing problem, but it was especially stark because of the pandemic and the federal government went ahead and stepped in.
0: Right. It's not as if, Metro is a for-profit, you know, agency. Like all the money that they get through ridership doesn't pay all the bills.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the theme with transit agencies right. is they have to be subsidized in order to work.
0: Yeah, and so with all this looming financial inedible sausage, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, how are they planning to get back? I mean, that cliff seems pretty steep. Yeah,
1: well, they seem to think that fare cuts are one way to get people back. Uh, in June, Metro board members passed fare cuts in a bid to get riders back. They've been talking about more fare cuts. Um, I can get into it if you want to, but sure. it's, it's a lot of details, uh, a lot of, you know, the, cutting this here, slashing the price there, parking, things like that. Mm. All of that being said, interestingly, Metro's own internal research has found that an overwhelming majority of rail riders say price is not actually a primary barrier for their return. So we're really waiting for employers to mandate workers go back to the office because then people will right. have to find some way to get in and out of the city and then for metro service to be frequent and somewhat dependable which it is not right now.
0: Right, right. And with all this happening and all this kind of grim news I want to turn to some updates that Metro actually has been making, you know. And I'm not sure if these updates are because there was like a low, you know, ridership and they're like, "Oh, let's fix some things" or if these were always planned. But regardless, there were some updates to fare gates and smart trips.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've certainly been able to tackle more projects more quickly with ridership down. Uh, you mentioned those faster and better fare gates, we're told. Installation is now underway or complete at half of metro stations. As part of the upgrades, Metro says smart trip cards bought before 2012 are being phased out. Mm. That's a little headache for people, but the reason being that they have outdated chip technology and don't work with the new fare gates. But yeah, I guess one thing we'll see out of this is some new fare gates.
0: All right. So now on to the other big challenge, other than the pandemic, which is mechanical wheel problems that we've mm. now learned. Yeah. So although this is not strictly pandemic-related, we have to address this seemingly cursed 7000 series rail cars despite how beautiful and silver they are they have caused some real issues and they were taken off the tracks in october what happened and will they ever come back
1: yeah well we've had several setbacks now in trying to get these things back on the rails this past week metro leaders reiterated they will not resume the placement of the 7000 series trains into passenger service for about 90 days in order to perform a root cause analysis of what, are the, what is the issue, rail car wheel set problems, which is what led to that derailment in October. Basically, Metro has to figure out why the wheel sets are falling out of spec with the wheels becoming spaced too far apart. That still hasn't happened. They still have to figure that out. Mm. Now, on top of that, Metro is still figuring out the best way to measure the wheel sets to make sure that they're safe. They have to have a plan for that before they can put the cars back in service. And then they're going to have to keep tabs on the cars once they're back in service as well. So there are quite a few steps that have to happen here.
0: When this story first broke, I remember thinking about trains, and they're mechanical beasts. You know, they're huge, hunking pieces of metal and very finely tuned. So even the smallest little movement in the wheels can really cause some dangerous situations. How close were we to a catastrophe?
1: Well, we don't know, but we know that this issue had been going on for a while before the derailment happened. And we do know that, yeah, it's only a tiny fraction of an inch that we're talking about for this to happen. So luckily, nothing major did happen, but obviously the potential was there, and that's why the Washington Metro Rail Safety Commission, the watchdog on this, has been all over it. They're obviously concerned.
0: Yeah, Congress has even asked to, you know, stepped in and really tried to look at this. And so, is there any blame to be pointed anywhere as far as you know administrators, as far as those who are overseeing this? Where does the fault lie, if Ye- anywhere?
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna gonna find that out uh, as people delve deeper into this question. You know, what did Metro know? When did they know it? Mm. Did they take these safety things seriously enough? And even if they knew about it, you know, what could they do about it? They're still figuring out how to measure the problem to figure out what's going on. So I think we still have a whole lot to learn about this issue.
0: Right. And are we to read into at all the recent resignation of Paul Wiedefeld from Mata? Is that something we should look into as Metro is facing all these challenges or? Did he give you know a righteous explanation of why he's, he's leaving?
1: Obviously, we can be a bit cynical in journalism, right. but it's our job to question things. And the first thing that popped into my mind is, oh, yeah, he's going to step out when the going gets tough here because, <laughs> you know, who would want to deal with this? But what a terrible time for your leader to step away when you're dealing with all these problems. But mm. uh, I think he's 66 years old now. It's not an unreasonable time for someone to retire. Right. He's been with the agency for six years. He has turned around a lot of things safety-wise. So, yeah, I guess it's plausible that he could be stepping away for normal reasons now. Right.
0: And so, with all of these mounting challenges, will Metro ever get back to some semblance of normal? Or is it doomed? And if it's doomed, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, well, we can ask Metro that question, or we can take the answer from Metro. Their projections from November. They said they think ridership would be 53% restored in fiscal year 2023, which started this year, 65% restored in fiscal year 2024, which starts in 23, and then 75% restored by fiscal year 2025, which starts in mid 2024. So even by Metro's own admission, we're only looking at three quarters normalcy by mid 2024, a couple of years from now. Mm. So this is going to take a while.
0: Assuming it, nothing else, you know, goes bad, which uh, is a tough assumption at this point.
1: Right. Yeah. You, we've learned that you absolutely never know and <laughs> all sorts of things can happen, come out of the blue. I mean, and tragically, things can happen yeah, a- and surprise people. Nobody saw a lot of these things coming.
0: Right. Right. And the final question I want to kind of leave with is, is Metro, you know, too big to fail? It's a beloved institution of D.C. People rely on it and people have you know a sort of love for it you know i know when i grew up here um, i loved taking the metro connecting me to all these different places is there any possibility it would just fail or is it just going to have to work through these immense issues
1: I don't think you're going to see it fail, but I think it's a real possibility that you could see it scaled way back if the federal government doesn't continue supporting it in some huge way or if people don't flock back to the system in a huge way. Mm. And like I said earlier, that could mean a lot less trains, station closures. These things that we kind of think of as draconian right now could become our reality.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it looks like the ticket to success is getting this ridership back, which means you need more federal dollars to... Make fares cheaper, maybe. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a a chicken, it's a chicken and egg thing. You know, <laughs> Catch-22, all those Right, things.
1: whichever metaphor you want to use, it's that.
0: Well, I guess we'll see, but thank you for uh, keeping us up to date.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me on Is It Normal Yet?
0: Well, we're glad to have you on your show, and it is certainly not normal
1: yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it normal? Is nope, nope, It's not, not right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep listening, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, got to keep listening. <laughs> it doesn't feel normal.
0: In mid-January, the TSA extended its mass requirement for public transportation. That means you're going to have to wear your mask on Metro until at least March 18th. And last week, John reported on a Metro investigation on fuel theft. At a recent board meeting, Metro's Inspector General Jeffrey Carrington said,
1: We found that millions of gallons of fuel are at risk of theft without detection. Over $2 million of fuel was unaccounted to due to use of miscellaneous access codes.
0: In response, Metro leadership said it hopes to improve oversight over fuel use, but $2 million only accounts for 3% of total fuel costs. In other words, additional oversight may cost more than the money you would actually save. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Lockspeed. Join me next Monday as the world recovers.